Are you learning a lot so far? We sure hope so. Welcome. Here is Dr. Ruth with the teachings for today. Okay, we are continuing today with Numbers chapter 13. So let us begin with chapter 13. What is the gist of this chapter? This is a very, very fascinating chapter uh, because here we will learn how the Lord would give Moses an order to send spies to go and spy out or to um, evaluate the promised land, examine it before the community of Israelites actually proceed to overtake the land. And uh, we will learn about Moses' specific instructions to the leaders who would be delegated with the task of uh, going to spy out the promised land. And we will learn about the report that the spies would bring. So this is a very, very fascinating chapter and we will learn a lot here. So let us take a closer look at the first few verses. I am in Numbers chapter 13 verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, verse 2, send some men to explore the land of Canaan which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe send one of its leaders. Verse 3, so at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Param. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Verse 4, these are their names. Before I even talk about their, their names, let's, let's pause here for just a minute. Think with me. Don't you think God already knew what was ahead of the Israelites? Of course, God knows all things, right? God sent the spies to go out and explore the land for their own benefit. This was God's way of preparing the Israelites so they would be mentally and physically prepared for what laid ahead of them. So God already, already knew what the land had, obviously. So this was for their own benefit. All right, this was to benefit the Israelites to prepare them for the task ahead, much like God would do today. God may put a, a desire or a project in our hearts, but we would still be wise to use godly wisdom to evaluate the task, to explore how things have to be done in order to be mentally and physically prepared. Uh, to carry out the task faithfully and as unto the Lord. Also, God knows all things. We agree, right? So God already knew that the Israelites were going to reject the promised land. But yet, in his goodness and faithfulness, he allowed Moses to send the spies into the land Hopefully, giving the spies and the community at large another opportunity for them to change their minds and accept 
the promised land. Once the spies get there and come back and, and relay or report how the land is rich, okay, with milk and honey and a prosperous land. But as we know, the spies came back, they acknowledged that the promised land was a blessed land, okay, flowing with milk and honey, but they went on to reject the Lord because they gave the negative report. So verses 4 all the way to verse 15 would list the names of the leaders from each tribe. I want to highlight a few of the leaders here. Come to verse 6. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of uh, Jeponath. Caleb was one of the leaders who was sent by Moses to explore the promised land. Verse 8. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, son of Nun. We would uh, later learn that Moses would change the name Hosea, son of Nun, to Joshua. So Caleb and Joshua were two leaders that uh, were sent among the ten other leaders to explore the promised land in accordance with um, God's instructions to Moses with specific details given to them by Moses. And so you can read the rest of the names of the leaders there on your own. Let's come to verse 16. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. And uh, Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Verse 17 through 21 are very interesting verses because Moses uh, would give these leaders specific instructions for what to look for when they head out to explore the land. Okay, again, highlighting Moses' excellent leadership skills. Because as leaders, when we delegate a task, we want to give specific instructions to the individuals who would carry uh, the task so that it can be carried out correctly. So let's go over all of these verses to learn what specifically Moses told them, because this is very important. Verse 17, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. Verse 18, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Okay, just for a minute, think about this. Moses was a man of God. We know that. Like I said earlier, God already knew what was in this land. Moses wanted the spies to truly examine what kinds of people lived in that land. And this was not a lack of faith uh, from Moses' part to get the specific details. Moses wanted the specific details that way he could also better prepare the people. So they are better prepared as a community uh, with regards to what uh, was ahead of them. All the while, depending on the Lord, 
to fight the battle for them. Uh, verse 19, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? Verse 20, how is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And uh, the scriptures tell us that it was the season for the fruit harvest. Um, so we see Moses giving them specific instructions to explore the land with specific details. Even though God had told Moses, God had promised that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses already knew that it was a very prosperous land, but Moses just wanted the spies to, to come back with a confirmation of that report, and this confirmation would quicken their faith, would strengthen them, would give them a hope, something to look forward to. It would give them expectation to go and overcome uh, or overtake this land. So this was really wisdom in Moses' part to give them these specific instructions. But as we will learn, it did not turn out that way. So let's uh, continue here, verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as uh, Rehob uh, toward Libo Hamah. Verse 22, they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ashim, Sheha, and Talimi, the descendants of Anak, lived. So verses 22 all the way to uh, 25 describes how they traveled to explore the land and um, how they brought back some of the fruits from the land. And many Bible scholars say that that trip that the, the uh, leaders, the 12 leaders took to go to the land to explore that and come back uh, to uh, where they came to give Moses the report was about 500 miles round trip. Okay. So remember now that they are in the desert of Param. So they left the desert of Param, went all the way to explore the land, and they were there for 40 days and 40 nights, and then they returned. So that entire trip is about 500 miles. So just goes to show you that they weren't very far off from the promised land. As an example, I'm here in Southern California, uh, if I were to leave Southern California and drive to, say, Arizona, that is approximately four to 500 miles driving in my vehicle. That trip can take up to six hours. So they were really close to the border of the promised land. And so I wanted to just give you some perspective there. Take a look at verse 24. Um... That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. So that is just highlighting how the land was very prosperous. It had abundant uh, fruits and they uh, brought back some cluster of grapes 
uh, to show Moses as evidence that it is a very prosperous, bountiful land. Verse 25, at the end of uh, 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So now they have been gone for 40 days. Uh, they have taken this trip about 500 miles uh, to get there and to come back. And now let's uh, take a look at the report that these 12 leaders would bring to Moses about the land that they went to explore. So uh, verses 26 all the way to the end of this chapter, which is uh, verse 33, will uh, report what the uh, spies found or their perception. Let's go over these verses closely because there's a lot to learn here. Let's take a look at verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. Remember, that was the desert of Paran where Moses has sent them. So they are back now at the desert of Param to give Moses this report, and they are in Kadesh. As we are about to learn, this uh, Kadesh here in the desert of Param is really significant to the history of the uh, nation of Israel because a lot would happen here. This was a turning fork. It was like a turning fork for them where a lot of major significant decisions took place that affected them permanently. Just real quick before we go into details. It is here at Kadesh that the nation of Israel would rebel against the Lord. It is here that they would make a decision not to advance into the promised land because of fear and disobedience. It is also here at Kadesh that Aaron and Mariam would die. Okay? It is also here at Kadesh where we would see Moses disobey the Lord due to much frustration. It is also here at Kadesh that the Lord would make his final judgment against the nation of Israel with regards to them rejecting his faithful promise to them and their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that gives you an idea of what we will cover in the next few verses and even into chapter 14. Let's take a closer look at these verses because there is a lot we will learn. So um, going back to verse 26, there, referring to right there at Kadesh in the desert of Param, they reported to them, them referring to the Israelite community and to Aaron and Moses. Uh, here was their report, verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. So they acknowledged that the land was prosperous, just as prophesied by the Lord. Here is its fruit. They showed Moses the cluster of grapes they had brought back from the promised land. Verse 28. But, yes now, each time there is a but. <laughs> uh, 
after what the Lord has said, there is a problem. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Let's pause. Now, these people started out to give a good report. The land is prosperous. Here is some evidence. They said, but they are now about to relay their own negative perception about the land. So they are already verbalizing fear. Okay. They started to focus just on the negative. They are already saying that the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified. Um, and um, Bible scholars uh, tell us that true, uh, the city was fortified and approximately the city had walls of approximately 25 feet tall. And um, true, they had giants there. Uh, towards the end there of um, verse 29, the spies said, we even saw descendants of Anak. That is referring to giants. And Bible scholars uh, tell us that they were giants uh, as tall as uh, seven feet tall who lived in the promised land. And true, it was a fortified city with walls as high as uh, 25 feet uh, tall. This may not seem significant to you today. But boy, I tell you, back then, 4,000 years ago, to go into a city with walls as tall as 25 feet, that was a big deal. Okay, things like that did not exist. So to them, that was uh, quite a big uh, deal. And also, Bible scholars tell us that the... Um, the, the land, the promised land, had it was about 150 miles long and about 60 miles wide, okay? And, of course, the fortified cities with the walls as tall as uh, 25 feet. So uh, this may seem like a little uh, town to you now, but back then it was a big deal. Verse 29, the Amakites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Again, giving the report, verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Right there, we see Caleb, a man of God, speaking out his faith, speaking his faith with confidence. And even though the other spies, and we would later learn that out of the 12 spies who went out, only Caleb and Joshua had the confidence to trust God to go and, to go and overcome this land. So this this. Ten spies were already instilling fear to the Israelite community, focusing on, on, on the size of the people in the promised land, focusing on the fortified cities, focusing on how powerful the people appeared. And they just lost sight 
of the fact that the Lord had displayed his miraculous power in their midst, such as providing them with manna supernaturally, such as parting the Red Sea, such as providing them water automatically. They forgot all of that, and they just started focusing on the negative, negative, negative. And Caleb, a man of God, a man of faith, had to stand up in faith and speak out his faith against the majority. Friend, let me tell you, the majority does not always mean it's correct. The majority does not always mean it's right. This is a classic example right here where we have the majority focusing on the negativity, okay, focusing on the problems. And then we have two people, Caleb and Joshua, the minority who would stand up in faith and say, no, we can do it. That is the spirit of faith that we should, we should have. Let's proceed. And in verse um, 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Again, they are emphasizing on the negativity. They had no faith. They had no trust in God. They were already defeated. And Caleb wasn't done. Uh, and they sp spread. This is referring to the 10 spies now. Um, and... They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And then the rest of the verses went on to say how they described the giants, like I talked about, the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, and uh, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. This is a very depressing statement. These spies, are. this is their perception. They are manifesting, speaking forth their fear, and they are instilling it in, onto others. They are saying that we seemed, meaning that they... The spies, the ten spies specifically, seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to the giants. So essentially, they went into the land, they saw the giants, they already gave up. Because of the fear, they falsely assumed that they looked like grasshoppers, tiny little uh, creatures compared to the giants. And they even concluded that even the giants who lived in the land of Canaan saw them as grasshoppers. Friend, let's talk about this for a minute. It is not how somebody else sees you. People can see you any way they choose. That is their choice. What matters is how do you perceive yourself? The Bible teaches us very clearly out of the book of Proverbs, as a man thinks in his or her heart, so he or she will become. These spies had such a victim mentality perception of who they were, 
compared to the giants and they believed that erroneous perception and because they believed that they appeared weak, useless as grasshoppers in the eyes of the giant, because they believed in that perception, that crippled them, that led to much fear, if they were defeated and they carried on that false perception and as a result, they had no ability to stand up in the name of the Lord to fight. They had no ability to even trust God because they believed that they were weak. Because they believed that the giants saw them as weak, which was not even true. Because as we will learn, as we proceed in the book of Joshua moving forward, we will learn that the uh, people who indwelt the land of Canaan were actually, check it out now, were actually afraid of the Israelites because they had heard about all of the miraculous um, uh, events that the Lord had displayed in their midst. So these people in the promised land had heard about the power of God in the lives of the Israelites. They actually were afraid of them even though they were giants, but you had these spies who went there, they became afraid and they came with this wrong perception. And because of this wrong perception, they developed fear and they were not able to proceed and overcome. Even though the people in the land of Canaan were afraid of them. Friend, how do you see yourself? That is the question I want to ask you. If you see yourself as weak, that is what you will manifest to others. If you see yourself as helpless, you will be helpless because it is a law of God. The way you think, that's the way you become. So this was just a perception. This was not even reality. Again, it goes to show you about the power of the mind. They believed it and it became their reality. They believed it, it became their reality and they were not able to overcome. You have to be careful what you believe. You have to be careful about the types of things you allow into your soul. Okay? So... This is a classic example how wrong perception leads to wrong believing and wrong believing leads to wrong action and wrong action leads to wrong results as we will learn moving forward. So as we come to the end of this chapter, we already see how only Caleb has spoken out in faith. He verbalized his faith. We have learned how these spies came back with a fearful report because it was their perception. They instilled fear into the entire community. They totally forgot about the miraculous work of God in their lives. They exhibited no confidence and hope in the Lord. They embraced and accepted the victim mentality. Because of all of that, they were crushed personally. They were defeated. They brought this upon themselves. Even though God had given them the victory, had they just trusted God, they would have walked into the promised land. It would have been a cakewalk. They would have overcome because 
the Canaanites were already afraid of them, but these spies, these spies brought a bad report because of their own personal erroneous perception. As such, they suffered permanent consequences as they will die. We will get into that. Glory to God, Jesus is Lord. Friend, are you being blessed yet? I'm trusting God you are being blessed and encouraged by his word because the word of God never returns void. So friend, as you are being blessed, would you please send me an email to just let me know how these teachings are blessing you, encouraging you, and transforming your lives? Here is our email address, info at drruthtani.org. Again, that is info, I-N-F-O, at drruthtani.org. And I personally read all the emails sent to me. So I look forward to hearing from you how these teachings are blessing you. It will really encourage me and my uh, staff here at the ministry to know that uh, the Lord is using this to transform your lives. And also check us out on Facebook and on YouTube, uh, Dr. Ruth uh, Tanyi uh, Ministries, and I have other teachings there. And also sign up for my e-newsletters. Just visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. Just scroll down. You will see a box that says subscribe uh, to our email list. Just enter the best email address there. You will be subscribed. And we do send out e-newsletters once, sometimes twice a month. And in those uh, newsletters, we have Bible teachings as well. Uh, so there are many ways that uh, you can receive Bible teachings from us. So please stay connected uh, with us and continue to listen to these uh, podcast teachings and grow in God's Word.